You are tuned to KPTZ 91.9 FM in Port Townsend, and we're joined in the studio today by two gentlemen well-known in Port Townsend, Wes Cecil, Ph.D., and Chef Aaron Stark. Welcome to both of you. Thank you. What we're going to talk about today is an upcoming series called Food for Thought, and it's a series of four presentations. Would you call it that? Yeah. Yeah. Presentations. For those of you that are not familiar with these two gentlemen, very quickly, I'll let you know who they are. Wes Cecil is a student of language and literature, received a BA in English from Fresno State, went on to receive an MA and PhD in English at Indiana University. He's interested in literature, philosophy, history, and gardening, and for the last 16 years has been a teacher at Peninsula College, and when not working, reading, or writing, spends much of his time in the garden. And I must say that also, Wes Cecil conducts the lecture series that has gone on for five years? Seven, six, seven years. Oh, I've lost track. Six, seven years at Peninsula College at Fort Warden. So this particular lecture series for this year folks, uh, focuses on American myths. And uh, I'm supposing this will be an ongoing uh, series for yeah. you? Yeah. So that's a separate conversation, but it may be the path to which we, we know Wes Cecil around town, or we may have run into him at the various coffee shops in town also. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Chef Aaron Stark, also well-known in these parts, a native of Georgia, uh, chef and dietary director at Jefferson Healthcare has served in the kitchens of some of the nation's most prestigious restaurants and institutions, including the Museum of Fine Arts in Boston, Massachusetts. For seven years, Chef Stark and his wife, Michaela Colley, have called Port Townsend home. And frankly, if the Jeopardy question were chef, Olympic Peninsula, most people would say, who is Aaron Stark. Uh, so <laughs> I personally may miss the, the who is part, but we all know Aaron Stark. And I would like to start off with a little idea of what this series, Food for Thought, will consist of. Well, I think um, it's, it's a, it's a two-part collaboration, obviously. And, and we were, we've been kicking this around for a while, and we thought... You know, food is such an important and vital part of our existence, but it's all, often overlooked. The significance of it and the, and the pleasures of it are often overlooked. And there's a lot of reasons for that that we can talk about. But, you know, on my part, I thought the power of the history of the influence of various foods and flavors traveling all over the world um, really is underappreciated. And, of course, Aaron here with the with the food part. So we thought we'd do an evening where I'm going to present some of the history and background and philosophy of food, and uh, Aaron is going to present the flavors and methods and and tastes of food. You get to exercise both sides of your brain. Yeah, I think Wes is going to bring um, an ingredient uh, from its from its when it was discovered all the way through civilization to modern day, and I will kind of walk people through the day to day how tos of the ingredient and then culminate that with a cooking demo on a particular version of that um, ingredient that I really, I really love. So, and then the entire time you'll be sort of also tasting your way through the foods that we're discussing, the, the flavors, the innovations, the developments. So it's not just listening, it's tasting and smelling and, Essential experience. Essential, yeah. That's the yeah. full full impact. And how did this idea 
come to be? How did it come about? I think Wes and I had some some conversations about the importance of food and just the idea that I I it's almost selfish because I want to learn the history of food and and it's a as a great great way to get my best butt to learn everything and then just get, just tell me all about it. So. Well, and it's also the opportunity that I I think that is uh, to then mate that history with the sensation of it and and how you, you know history isn't back then history is lived you know you're eating your history you're you're experiencing it and so Aaron being able to present the food and to taste the food and to give it to you in what will be you know spectacular fashion you know really brings the concreteness of the history to life and that food is becomes so the history becomes a part of you through the food, which is yeah. an excellent idea. I, and I think we've gotten away from as, as a society, we've gotten away from the importance of food. I mean, putting the due importance to food that we need to, and knowing history uh, about food is something that um, I, I I love when people come through the hospital lunch line. I love giving them little tidbits about the 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 food that we're serving. I can vouch for the truth of that. I've been in that line many times. And, you know, when I read your, you, both of your background, your bios, when uh, Wes isn't thinking, speaking, writing, he's in the garden. When, when I go to Jefferson Healthcare, I'm eating local food very, very often. And so food is a common thread between both of you. And your spouses seem to have some connection also to sure. this world. Sure. Um, my wife is the director of Organic Seed Alliance, which is a local nonprofit. Um, started about 10 years ago, 11 years ago. Um, and their mission is to keep alive those traditions of organic seed and, and plant breeding. And she does a great job at what she does. And she brings it home. We grow vegetables in the garden. And for me, uh, you can't be a culinarian for, for as long as I have. And not have this draw to the garden to see where the food comes from. And I believe that once people get in the kitchen and start cooking and learning to cook different ways, then they're automatically inspired into the garden or out to the water to fish or um, even as far as to go up into the woods and, and go hunting because that that circle. Of- and, and, and it's easy to forget that when you eat a – a cabbage, say one of our subjects coming up, you know that seed. If if it's if it's ever not planted, you do, we don't have it to eat. It's a continuous living history from the Eurasian steppes brought you know over by the Celts into Europe and then to the to the New World. I mean. So you're eating a thousand-year history of seed development and and plant development and breeding, and but it has been cultivated. If, it, if it's ever not cultivated, that food is gone, and so it means it's a continuous, unbroken line of flavor and experience from, you know, three thousand years ago or longer. I mean, some of these foods, been, you know, time and more honey has been around, you know, sort of <clears throat> from the beginning, and. When do you get the opportunity to do that, to sit down and to really experience 3,000 years ago? And it brings us together, doesn't it, as a, as a, as a people? What would, if we were an island with none of that 
cross-pollinization what would we be eating here in the no United we're going to talk about that not very good yeah, yeah, yeah. this is this is after the crusades the crusaders came back to europe and went wow our food is not good <laughs> i summarized but i was essentially they're like wow that's a nice quote they're though. eating better stuff <laughs> um wes is a teacher we all know that but you're a teacher also aaron you do more than cook. Every time I pick up the newspaper, I, I read that some capacity of you teaching, whether it's young, young kids, uh, the different projects that you've done in the past. So it seems that it's more than just cooking here. This, is, this has been an ongoing process for you. I have um, a passion, a desire, a mission in my life, and that is to take what I've done in my professional life as a culinarian and share that. Um, so many times I've been in kitchens with amazing chefs that hold those tricks of the trade, those secrets tight and close to them. And I don't think that's, that's not a responsible way to go about it. You need to share these things. And it's more crucial now because um, the idea that grandparents and parents are, are not sharing those, those traditions with their children leads me to say, I want to teach people how to cook. And it's amazing. It's the same area of the brain that it takes to build a birdhouse is to make a sauce bechamel. Um, you're taking the elements and you're manipulating those elements and you make something that's beautiful uh, that holds the truest form of art that there is. And, you know, I used to work at a museum and the funny thing is I, I would have I would have dishwashers that wanted to put on their resume that, they, you know, they worked at the Museum of Fine Arts in Boston. So they would hire on as dishwashers. <laughs> so you can imagine their resume would, would have Museum of Fine Arts, but no one would ask, what did you do? And I just, you know, worked at the Museum of Fine Arts. I washed dishes. But I would have these great conversations with these artists. And we would talk about the idea of food as an element of art. And the whole idea of a, a, a picture you can look at, a sculpture you can look at and you can touch. Some would argue, well, you can hear music. In cooking, what I do, I get to experience this, this sensual experience of you get to look at it, you get to smell it, you get to taste it, you get to feel it. And I can argue all day that you can hear cooking when you hear a piece of cold salmon hitting a hot pan of oil. It, it's, and it's beautiful. So it's a well-rounded, true, truest form of art that, that can be expressed as far as I'm concerned. And the beauty of it is that it's got an instant gratification. The instant gratification that when I feed people and they're, they're loving it, I'm getting off on that. I'm just yeah. sort of like, that is, there it was. You know? I hadn't really thought of that instant gratification that has to come straight back to you as a chef watching somebody eat. Sure. I don't have to wait around. I can just watch. And, 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 it's, and it's communal. I think this is another aspect of it. it sure. It is a, it's, there's no, I mean, it really wants to be communal. It's an art form that says, you know, gather around. Come share, participate, yeah. you know, you know, it, it really, you can cook for yourself, which is great, but really it wants to have the family, the hearth, the, the commune, the group, it wants people to participate and share. And I think that's, you know, part of the greatness of the art form is it's not supposed to be away or hidden or secret. Like you said, it's supposed to be out public it, it, to be appreciated. 
And you know what I think really instantly drew me to this project is I'm, I go to Wes's lecture series every year. It's something that brightens the dark of winter for me. And, but this particular project adds another sensory element, and that's taste. And how often outside of culinary education do we have that element of taste? And in Wes's lectures, and when I look at your YouTube, you have over, you're, you're coming close to 700,000 views on your lectures. I don't know if you knew that or not. That's a lot of people. How will what you bring to this be impacted by the fact that you have that instant gratification? You have people actually having that other sensory experience as you explained, is there is there something there that will add to? Well, one, there'll be wine, which is always helpful. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> That's always the best. Uh, um, two, I think I, I do think it is great to have that extra sensory aspect because, for instance, you can go to college and study nutrition because that's the abstracted, uh, vague, but scientific and rational and important part of food. And, and I think that's the nonsense that we want to start you know, breaking down is, is our minds have been shackled with the idea that real serious things don't have pleasure, aren't sensual, aren't, uh, don't involve your body, right? You're supposed to sit quietly and read still. Um, but that that tradition, you know, which I'll talk about on, on, at the lecture, is uh, is I think is just wrong, and it's it's deforming of our minds and our and our lived experience. And being able to bring the ideas in with the food, with the smells, with the with the laughter and the sure, fun sure. <laughs> uh, is going to be is is it really hopefully helps beginning to free our minds uh, from that sort of training. And I, I think we can rest assured there will be a lot of laughter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you think? Uh, I off chance. <laughs> yes, yes, there will be. So I'm at the point now where I have, I'm looking at Food for Thought, the flyer that you've printed up, and I want to let the listeners know, well, first off, that you are listening to KPTZ in Port Townsend, and we are joined by Wes Cecil, PhD, and Chef Aaron Stark. And what we're speaking about, if you just tuned in, is the upcoming series entitled food for thought. Now, with that in mind, we have four different ingredients, and you will take one of these ingredients for each session, which will be separate months beginning on March 27th. These four ingredients are the potato, quinoa, which many of us just learned to pronounce, by the way. (laughs) Quinoa. (laughs) (laughs) Cabbage and salmon. How did you come to these four? What drew you to these four? I think... And I just look back at my career and some of the, the moments that stick out in my mind as what are some of those sentinel ingredients that I really rest my laurels in. And the potato, I'm classically French trained, and potato is it. Your starch for many dishes, French cuisine, is the potato. And when you ask the common person, just, hey, where does the potato come from? Most of them will Safeway. cite. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and most of them cite Ireland and because of the potato famine that occurred. And there's a, 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 a deeper, richer history to the potato. And just learning that, I worked at a Novo Peruvian restaurant, uh, kind of um, uh, the idea of using a fusion um, of Peruvian cuisine 
and putting new spins on that traditional food. Potato is such an important ingredient in Peruvian cuisine, as is quinoa. I mean, uh, they, they revere quinoa as the, as the mother grain. And once you realize the beauty of quinoa, you can't argue that it's an amazing ingredient. That, I'll add, Organic Seed Alliance, along with, with Dharma Ridge Farm, along with Finn River Farm, are doing uh, quinoa trials here in the Pacific Northwest. And they're pulling off some amazing quinoa grown right here in the Pacific Northwest. And, and it's port- both the history of the cabbage and, the, and quinoa. Um, only a very few foods have ever been the staple crop for whole civilizations. And both uh, quinoa and the potato have have served that function and salmon and salmon yeah um going down later in the list that that in the history of man there's only i think i, I can't remember that there's eight or nine foods that have ever been the foundation of large-scale uh civilizations and and you know we've got a bunch of them here and so that's part of it too is to say these aren't foods that are fun to eat although they are that they they were staple crops that allowed the food itself the nature of the food allowed people to thrive to to grow to expand to to be more human to give us greater opportunity to express ourselves and and to be healthy i mean that's another key part of it and salmon This series will end with the salmon, and and the longer I'm here, the more I realize how salmon-obsessed we are here in the Pacific Northwest, everybody who doesn't like salmon. And I didn't really – and this is, I think, one of the things that I appreciate about both of you, but being more exposed to Wes, is that sometimes Wes will bring in a concept that innately I know, but you bring it very clearly into the forefront of my mind, and that is – I'll read right off your flyer. Salmon is one of the few wild harvested foods of the Western table. And when you think about that, I don't recall eating um, wild duck. Um, we fight beef. It's, it's domesticated. Was, salmon is a very special. Salmon is incredible. The history of our history in the Pacific Northwest is in some ways the history of salmon. I mean, that's what, what's been happening here for you know, thousands of years. Um, and we often overlook that. Second, in the modern table, I mean, if, if you go back for most of the world a few thousand years, for all of the world 10,000 years, 100% of your food was wild harvested. One of the extraordinary and influential transformations of, of human cultural civilization has been the shift from wild harvested foods to domestic harvested. Ah, but we haven't, we're not quite, you know, we haven't lost all contact with that early tradition. And one of the surviving elements, again, for the modern Western table is is salmon. It's one that is really still present, still sure. vital, um, and, and still powerful for our palate. And, and, is, and is roughly speaking the healthiest thing you can eat. Um, you know, along with quinoa, by the way, which is another example, because quinoa is very limited in the way it's never really been industrially uh, bred. So it's it's been cultivated for millennia but it's very close to its original wild seed state much closer than any of the other grains that we eat and so quinoa is somewhere sort of between salmon and and other food crops because it's it shares also that sense of of you know very close to early harvested wild grains not the the industrialized versions that we're used to eating 
And it's very interesting to me what you said about the Organic Seed Alliance and, and the breeding of quinoa here, because much of this happens out of our sight. Sure. We, we don't really think about it till it's on our plate, and sometimes we don't really think about it when it's on the plate. But just to know that that type of work is being done here where we live, it's really very impressive to me. I, I think, you know, the majority of our country, we go to the grocery store, we buy our groceries, we spend our money, we go home and we, we open boxes. And from, from wild harvested boxes, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. For, and, and, and for the most part, we're heating those those box foods up in another box. The whole idea of do the do the you know, especially in the season, you know, here in here in poor towns in Jefferson County, and in like August September when there's so much happening food wise, um, is just to kind of do kind of a little experiment on the hundred mile diet and see if you can go a week. And there's the challenge. If you can feed yourself local ingredients for a week straight, and it's an exciting experiment, and it's one that's good to get your kids involved. And the other thing, it makes you cook. It makes you be in the kitchen. Um, and if you include your children, if you include your, your your the whole family, get in the kitchen and cook. It's the most wonderful experience. Everybody has a connection to it. You know, the hardest person I've ever had to cook for is my daughter, Krenna. Um, no, Daddy, I don't want to eat that. Um, but there's little tricks that I've learned. We can tell a story the night before, say about asparagus. And then the next day, she helps me peel the asparagus. And then we're eating the asparagus, and she's tied to it. She's got a connection to it. So it's easier to get her to eat it. So so the concept is very similar to what you're doing. You're telling a story about food. That is yeah, right. It works yeah. on adults I'm also, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it yeah. works And so hopefully. maybe, I, I, I know we don't have a lot of time left. Why would people come to these presentations and what would they expect when they get there? Well, I think uh, a couple of things to expect. One is to have a good time. That's number one um, because – that's why we're doing it. That's why we're doing it. We're doing it to have fun as well because too often, like I said, too often we're in these shackles of uh, serious things have to be serious and, and fun things are trivial. And because food is such a pleasure, it must be trivial um, or at least ancillary and important. So the one is to just have a good time. Um, you know, we're going to come in. We're, I'm going to give, again, the history and the background. And then we're going to turn out some uh, some little f tasting plates. So we're going to get a lot of little flavors from, from food history. And then Aaron's going to do methods, um, and we'll tell some jokes, I imagine. And As a, I think a lot of storytelling. I mean, my <clears throat> contribution to this is that you know my history in the kitchen and where I really shined with these elements, and to tell you the background that. A dear friend of mine, Saraya, taught me how to cook quinoa the traditional way, and I hold on to that close to my heart because it was done from Saraya. She she did it with love. This is how we do it where I come from, and it taught me a completely different way to cook quinoa. I think um, we want people to know that there's something deeper about food than just going to the grocery store and, and getting it, um, that there's a history to it, um, and I'll the best place to teach kids history is in the kitchen. Um, and I think that that's some, and here in, in town, um, my, my dear friend Hope Borosado is working on those things along with Jennifer Cruz at the high school. And 
Wes and I are actually going to do this same sort of – we're going to do our bridge version of the potato demo on March 11th at the high school auditorium. And that's purely just to get kids excited about food. because and history. Yeah. It's an exciting thing. Um, what a great company. Yeah, yeah, that's right. the, you know, the, the French fry. Come on now. Yeah, sure. Indeed. You know so, why it's called French. Yeah. <laughs> Before this gets away from me, I have to make sure that I let all the listeners know where they can access this information. And I suppose uh, Wes and Aaron at gmail.com is one place. Yeah. And then we have uh, tickets available at Brown Paper Ticket. If you just search under Port Townsend, it'll, all the events will pop up. Um, they're all up there. And, and then various places. Pippa, by the way, Pippa's going to do the tea. Uh, the tea. She's going to do the wine uh, uh-huh. for the event. So we're going to have lots of fun wine from Pippa. Oh, that'll be great. And this will be at the Northwest Maritime Center, 6.30 p.m. to 9-ish, and on four days. I'm going to start, I'm going to run down here, and if you want to pull a pencil out, March 27th will be the potato, April 24th, quinoa, May 22nd, cabbage, and June 19th, salmon. Yep, yep. So just remember Aaron at gmail.com. And also, I think if you just Google food for thought, Aaron Stark or Wes Cecil. Something I, like that should bring it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Should. The, another one to think about too is, is uh, we, we plan to do more Assuming anybody shows up. <laughs> so that's that's other part of it. So it's not just a four-part series. We hope it to be a multi-part series. Uh, but we figured we'd start with four and see how it goes. So I, I just want to add something. I'm, I love learning about the history of food. And as I said, I'm, I, I'm looking forward to Wes learning all the stuff so he can tell me all about it. But in my quest for that knowledge, you can't find discussions – on YouTube or online about these elements of food. If you want to go deep into the potato, um, you got to go to the library, pull out the books, and start looking at it. But there's nothing easy access. The beauty of this is that there's nothing like it. And, and even in, there's a difference between live music and canton music, but this goes far beyond that. This is going to be more of a sensory experience to yeah. be in the same room uh, with both of you. <laughs> we'll be fun to begin with. It may not be a good idea. <laughs> so, uh, yes, everybody, mark that on your calendars. This is KPTZ 91.9 FM in Port Townsend, and you have been listening to Wes Cecil and Chef Aaron Stark talking about their upcoming series, Food for Thought, and I want to thank you all for being here with me and my engineer, Sonny Flores. We'll see you out there. Maritime Center, first one, the potato. March 27th. Thank you. Thank you.